Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi guys and welcome to this week's Snugcast. Uh, it's a fucking pleasure to bring to you a stellar crew this week. Uh, I'm your host DJ. I got Owen with me as usual. And uh, Owen, how are you getting on? Uh, good, yeah. Really looking forward to tonight. We've two great guests, as Ryan Tuberty or someone might say. <laughs> one of those, one of those hosty lads. Not I'm us. going to call it straight out here. We've two bollocks as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I was, I was gearing up for this there today. Um, down to the offy, have a few cans. Uh, actually, no, I actually got bottles. Um, and currently drinking a gift that you gave me a few days ago. So uh, we'll talk about that in a, in a bit. Brilliant. But, uh, yeah, doing well. I love, I love, I love this level of preparation where, like, you, you, you thought we were recording tonight because you went to the offy just in case. Because it takes me ten minutes before we came on to see if we actually were. So uh, <laughs> I love, I love your optimism. I love your optimism. And yeah. uh, coming on to our guest then. Just to introduce one of the guests who's, it's his second appearance on the Snowcast now. He's been, he's been on with us uh, during COVID lockdown and he did such a good job. Yeah, we invited him back on and uh, I think he's going he's gonna to blow us away um, with, with a few observations throughout the, the hour or so. Uh, Peter Breen of the Portish Pope Club. Peter, how are you getting on, man? Great, yeah, you're putting a lot of pressure on me there, though, I have to say. <laughs> I was, um, yeah. Give us some insight. Come on, Peter, give us some insights. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, the last time, I've never actually even been on any podcast before. So thanks for popping my podcast cherry, lads. That's all right. Uh, Speaking (laughs) speaking of cherries, another food is a kiwi. And Owen, we are the 239th most popular podcast in New Zealand. Nice segue. Nice segue. Yeah. 
Imagine, imagine what I'd be like when I finish the can. But uh, yeah, Peter, you, you were great the last time on. It's brilliant to have you on again, man. Thanks for making the time for us. And uh, speaking of people who are trying to make time, uh, one of the one of the highlights of lockdown so far for me, two of the highlights of lockdown so far for me, for me have been the the virtual uh, beer festivals that have been set up by the uh, crack beer community with um, with the guys over on, on Beer Cloud. So um, Brian Cahill, crack beer community, uh, fucking an absolute pleasure to have you on, man. How are you getting on? Yeah, good. Thanks, good. Uh, thanks for having me, DJ and Owen, and great to be on with Peter as well, esteemed company. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah no, all good. Thanks. Cheers, cheers for having me. Unfortunately, my my uh, my podcast cherry was popped a couple of weeks ago by uh, by Wayne and, and Janice Dunn on the, the Beer Snob podcast. But this is number two, you know, and, and the sequel is always better. That's that's what they say, hundred percent. Yeah, and actually, actually, lockdown was one of those things that impeded us from from. Um, eventually linking up with Wayne and ja- Janice to, to have a couple of points and record an old episode, a, a crossover podcast. But um, uh, Wayne took issue to the fact that I shared that you might be coming on this podcast this week. So uh, I think uh, I think we've lined Wayne and Janice up for early July to, to, to come on the podcast when uh, o- over Zoom, unfortunately, at that stage. But definitely, like I think when all this is over, I think that the entire uh, craft beer consumption uh, community around Ireland are going to end up getting together somewhere. I'm coining that term now, like you know, I've already submitted the trademark. So the CBCC. Yeah, I've just changed Brack's official name on, on the website now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the CBCC, not to be confused with the Christian Brothers College, uh, <laughs> just, just, just to get in there. Um, Peter, so, something I've been meaning to read over the last couple of days since you published it was your most recent blog. Sorry, I've gotten around to read it, but um, what, what, what was it about? I know it's definitely, um, it, it was about uh, pubs reopening, I believe. So can you give us a bit of insights into what was on the blog this week? Um, it was basically a, a post about um, microbreweries, local, you know, small breweries. Um, I and we all kind of go on about them every so often, talk about, you know, trying to encourage them and support them. But um, I'd never actually written down why you would want to support one of these breweries or, or distilleries or, or whatever. Um, and it's kind of, I suppose, aimed at people who maybe don't normally drink craft beer or whatever um, and just kind of lays out what what it means, like what microbrewery means, what craft beer means what what it means to be local independent etc and why why should you care about about that i mean if if guinness um employ irish people buy irish grain what's the difference you know you're, you're still supporting irish jobs so i tried to lay out well, what what the actual difference is and why you should still support these small local businesses um and that's that's kind of it and why you know obviously they cost a little bit more there's no avoiding that and why you should spend a little bit extra. Do you think um, like the mentality of people is going to have changed because of this, because of lockdown, because of the pandemic? Like, I think like even just around here, around Waterford as well, like you definitely do see a lot more people just buying local and, yeah. you know, like they, I think they, I suppose they see the, the power of keeping somebody in a job like that. Like it actually yeah. just really affects people that, you know, you, you actually just see people losing their jobs if they can't go where it's like if you go to Tesco or say if Tesco loses it, you, like you don't see, they, they yeah. just take that hit. Like, you know, they're making massive amounts of money. Like, whereas I think definitely like local produce and stuff like that. Um, and I just wonder, does that translate into the, the beer community? I'd say it has. 
I think it does. Yeah. Like, I think this, yeah, this lockdown has kind of, I, I would say, I, mean, I can only speak from my own experience, but it's definitely for me, it's made me think about, you know, shopping local more. Mm. Um, and, you know, whether it's like get deliveries, for example, from the local greengrocer, which I've never really go into every so often before now. Um, and, you know, stuff like, um, I don't know, there's some hot sauce guy that I bought, I found on, came across on Twitter. Like he's in some lad in Wicklow making hot sauce and I bought, and it's brilliant, it's lovely stuff. Bought peanuts today off of, off of, <laughs> uh, you know, some some um, family, you know, uh, business down in, I can't remember where it was, but um, I, think it, I think it is, I think this is kind of something that's been going on for a while. I think people care more about where their food comes from. I come, you know, it's, it's been around for a while with meat and things like that, but I think it will happen with um, beer as well. Um, and even whiskey, like there's actually a, a, new, a new distillery down in Waterford, Waterford Distillery. They've started making whiskey that's uh, single origin whiskey. So it's made from barley from very specific farms so they're trying to do the same thing that you would have with like wine where it's like you know it's from a particular region and that kind of thing so i think people are starting to care more about where things come from and local jobs and local employment and i think that whiskey in waterford has like completely sold out isn't it like as in they had um like i think whatever initial batch they had say a thousand bottles or whatever like and it was um kind yeah, of invite whatever. only kind of thing and yeah, I think they did sell the, whatever one they launched first. They, I think they sold out, and this, the next lot is, I think, just a lot of demand for it as well. Yeah, yeah. And Brian, like you're, you're a man now who's who be on the internet, <laughs> as they say, and uh, you, you probably see the old passage of beer. Like, would you think that um, people are shopping more local? That they're kind of supporting these local breweries a bit more because of this, like. Yeah, absolutely. I think Owen, you touched on it in, in your initial question to Peter when you said it's the beer community and it's the local community and just I think communities in general are phenomenal in Ireland at rallying together, um, be it local geographical based or interest based or whatever. Um, I suppose that's the reason why it's called Crack Beer Community as well. It's, it's, it's just bringing people together around um, around I suppose a product that is beer but the, the whole the ethos of it is a community it's it's people facing it's about getting people to 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 I suppose meet each other learn from one another chat to each other and just have fun um but yeah I, I think so the community aspect is huge um you can see it as, as Peter was touching on um saying people supporting local breweries that's happening everywhere um supporting local farmers going down the road uh, Irish people are absolutely phenomenal at it in terms of uh, supporting local, and uh, even businesses supporting each other as well. Like breweries, quite often collaborate with each other and help each other out. And, yeah, you know, yeah, even and even even in terms of like lads sharing grains and things like that, like you know from local farmers and things like that. That you know, it's it's it it is it's like across sectors as well. Like it's not just the breweries helping one another. It's you know that yeah. like just lads with like spare fucking hops or whatever just throwing them in, into a brewery or whatever like it's yeah it's, it's fantastic that um, actually um, that needs to be onto something on that sorry but that actually came across Brian maybe, maybe you might actually be able to make the same point I was just going to say that um, some of the brewers even were talking about the feasibility of actually growing hops and just the need for space to do it in the in the, in the, the last virtual beer festival like 
there's a lot of brewers and there's a lot of farmers who are into brewing as well. When you look at the likes of Ballykickhaven and stuff like that, who who are seeing opportunities to diversify and and new ways of doing business out of this. So, Brian, like, what what have you learned um, through your interactions with the breweries over the last uh, three months? This was. Yeah, I suppose just the innovation from some of them has been incredible. And even this is way pre-lockdown, but as you said, with Valley Kilcab and um, Joe there, and sorry, and uh, David realizing they've taken over the family farm and he was nearly thrust into brewing by uh, fear of leaving the family farm um, because it wasn't, um, it wasn't generating enough income through um, throwing, growing barley. Um, so they started brewing beer and uh, that's where their story came from. Um, ah. Yeah, no, it is. It's absolutely brilliant. And not to mention, they have a fantastic farm down there. It's like 400 years old or something. It looks really good, and he's renovating the, the farm as well, which is fantastic. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Their, their social media account is, is stunning, and just how they how they how they run it, doing the kind of the, the views and the tours of the farm and stuff like that. It's absolutely brilliant. They tell a they tell a story through it as opposed to um, just fear. If that makes sense, uh, it's really really good. Um. One thing, just to be our community, and um, before before we go on from it, um, again, Owen, coming back to your point, what's I think is incredible to see the breweries. So you've got like a hundred odd microbreweries in Ireland. Um, not all of them with their own brewing kits or whatever, but a hundred odd um, brewing independent in, individual breweries, you can say, and all of them are essentially vying for two and a half to three percent of the overall market share. They're all in competition with one with one another. They, like they're, they're going for that same two and a half, three percent. Everyone, but in spite of that, they still all come together. They all help each other out. They all lend ingredients or equipment or whatever. Like it's, I suppose co-opetition you could call it. But like that, they all band together, even though they're they're fighting for the same market share. It's, I think it's it's amazing to see. It's it's really. I don't know, inspiring or whatever. You it, it, it is amazing to see. And it's also not as counterintuitive as you'd think either, because ultimately, if you think about attitudes to craft beer in Ireland, certainly Owen, like when we would have been in college together, if somebody had a craft beer and it was bad, one craft beer, then all craft beers were written off as shite. And um, that was kind of the culture towards craft beers. I'll so, make you sick as well. Them craft beers, but they make you sick. <laughs> yeah, these, these, Stay these, away from them. Fierce gassy as well. Fierce gassy, yeah. <laughs> They're like the opposite of old wise tales, or like they're like um fucking ignorant young man's tales, like you know, they're fucking this kind of this kind of notion that craft beers are shite and make you sick. It absolutely was true though. It was said it was rhetoric when we were going to college and stuff. Um so so I suppose counterintuitively the the, the craft beer industry in Ireland driving each other on, making sure that they keep a high standard, um ultimately will lend itself to gain more of that market share of two and a half to three percent uh like it's something we've spoken about in the podcast several times about how does ireland get to a 11 12 percent share like the u.s craft beer industry has mm. and and it'll get that way by quality uh really um is 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 my honest opinion um and certainly stuff like you know peter's blog that is is constantly champion uh locally brewed craft beer and brian what you're doing with the, the craft beer community like opening up People, but even people who consume craft beer, like myself, who the craft beer community. Just yourself. Yeah, yeah just myself. Uh, All for me. I, I mean, I mean, as the only person who attended any of the virtual beer festivals. <laughs> no, but, all but right, the, all right. The virtual beer festival is, has opened my eyes to breweries that I otherwise never would have seen. Um, I might have come in, in contact with over a night away somewhere 
um, on a once-off basis, whereas now I'm like, right, I need to fucking keep my out for this because it was brilliant, um, which, which is a really, really good fucking thing. I think we were singing the praises as well of the crap beer community there a few weeks ago and I was kind of given the story of how um, there would have been like say beer tasting nights and like you know say in pubs or like um, like a new brew night or whatever and all the brewers would come down like you know say or in the locality might come and they might all have a few drinks but as a beer consumer you kind of felt maybe a little bit detached from that community at, uh, like for like it seemed um not that i, I don't think the, the brewers intended it to be very clicky or anything like that but it's just that the fact of like they have such esteemed knowledge about all these beers and like they're coming in and they're like you know they know each other and they're chatting away and that it was a very hard thing for you to come in and go uh, like you know i'm going to join this I, you know, I'm going to stay here for the night. I'm going to join this kind of community for the night. Whereas I thought like what you've done with the crack beer community has kind of like added the, the beer consumer in amongst the brewers as well. And like, you know, like you, it's kind of like a platform basically just to, to be able to chat with them and then amongst other beer consumers as well. Like, so well done, Brian. <laughs> Blushing, blushing. I'm a huge advocate for, um, it's like, it doesn't sound bad, I, I, I don't generate any revenue whatsoever out of what I do, but I'm going to use the term, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Mm. And the, uh, every decision I make, everything that I do to, to kind of progress the, the progress crack in general is based on the, asking myself the question, is this going to help? grow the, the industry? Is this going to help introduce beers to new people? Is this going to help brewers who are struggling at the moment? And um, by doing that, it's, it's kind of enabled to, to, to think of kind of weird and different ways and kind of uh, new ideas to try and support breweries, first and foremost, keep the industry afloat at the moment. That was kind of the start of COVID. That was the, the real panic. It was like, oh, fuck, where is, which way is this going to go? Um, but then it, they're actually coming out stronger, which is amazing. Well, some of them, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so just doing that kind of creating an open, welcoming community. Um, one of the taglines is beer snobs welcome, beer snobbery is not. Um, so it's kind of like, a, no matter what your experience, no matter what your, um, I don't know, level of beer knowledge, or whatever you want to call it, uh, you're welcome in and to join in. And um, I just getting feedback from the last one there. Uh, one I got an email from a chap, uh, Richard, who said, um, himself and his boyfriend uh, joined in the festival and they got the pack and his boyfriend does not drink beer at all he said he wouldn't drink it and he said the two of them they sat down and they enjoyed it so so much he tried the beers and he really enjoyed it and he's kind of open to trying new beers now um you know it's amazing to see stuff like that that's the whole reason why <laughs> to what i'm doing what yeah. i'm doing you're a gateway you're a gateway drug yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how you get from two two and a half percent to eleven percent or whatever it is like it's one it, unfortunately it's the way it is one person at a time one drink at a time one yeah. one tap in a pub at a time you know it's it's slow progress and i think that that like that that whole um i don't know that whole myth that we had during college or around that time of like a craft beer being like this metally heavy you know like i don't know just terrible beer like you know um that again like similar story with Kira, my girlfriend um wouldn't be a beer drinker would normally drink wine but like i've had cast away by um yellow belly beer the passion fruit sour and like she'll like just 
robbed that like literally just robbed my my pint glass off me like um so like it's yeah it's amazing it's like it's just like you know inviting or like introducing people into the different types of beers as well like you know that's very cool speaking speaking about different types of beers lads uh i want to find out what are you drinking tonight so uh oh i'll come to you first what are you, what are you drinking tonight pal uh i'm on i'm on a, a little gift from you um so it's uh Kinnegar's Oland Tart um apple sour and yeah it's it's lived up to um your hype man it's been really really good uh again i actually i don't even know how to describe this this beer like it's like <laughs> it's so appley but not cidery do you know what i mean like that's, <laughs> it's that's delicious i absolutely love it um it's a real um it's a real mouth-watering one as well. Like you're like at, at every taste you get, there's just like more and more saliva building up in my mouth. I'm just going to be like <laughs> like big pool. <laughs> I won't be able to talk in a bit. Um, but yeah, really, really good. Um, yeah, it's it's such a um, it's such a such a good summary. It's such a good summary beer. Like, I'm going to say this is the bridger. This is going to be like a summer autumn into stout season. Uh, bridging beer like I, I'm, I'm all on board with that like I've, I've actually got four cans of it in the fridge that I'm bringing down to my brothers on Sunday to drop it off them yeah and uh, I, I've not the only the only reason that they've lasted this long is because I know they're going to enjoy them so much I couldn't live with the guilt if I drank them on them mm. um, they're, they're, it's a really good beer lads have you, have you come across it Peter or Brian Olin's um, Tart by Kinnegar the, the I've, had it, no. I've had a few in my time yeah I've that and I've um, I've got Glenn's, what's the Glenn's sour? Is that the lemon one? Oh, yeah. The citrus yeah. dry hop lemon sour, yeah. Yeah, citrus, yeah. Citrus dry hop sour is, the, yeah, that's a fucking belters. Mm-hmm. I actually had a can of that last night. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking. Are, are just, they just consistently knock out absolutely brilliant beers. Um, you just, you know, if you're buying one, you know it's not going to be bad. Like, it's just, mm. they're, they're so consistent. Uh, consistent nearly sounds like it's, um, like not a compliment or you know it's like oh they're consistent but no it's like every you know if they if they release something it's going to be really really good reminds yeah. me i was going to go down to mother max in october because they were doing a tap <laughs> takeover yeah absolutely that, that would have been it that's not going to happen now it would have been an absolute treat like we we the the off license across the road from the hospital here in watford actually carries kinnegar um like they're all the way up in Donegal to the to the opposite side of the country to us, but it's 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 a blessing that we have access to them because it's it's definitely up there as one of the best breweries around. Um, they're 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 nonstop fucking hits. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Owen. You're welcome. Uh, I gave you that candy the other day, so uh, I'm, I'm glad. No you, problem. I'm, I'm glad you let people know how generous I am. Um, <laughs> uh, Brian, I'll come to you next. What what are you drinking yourself, man? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I'm on the uh, the all together. By, by Whiplash, um, that is a, it's a worldwide collaboration brew. And I think it was Other Half Brewing in New York, I think they started it, yeah. And um, it was basically so that they, they started this worldwide collaboration um, for breweries all around the world to get involved. They, they created a recipe and shared it with people and said, brew this in your local area, wherever you may be. And um, the, only, the only rule or deal with it is um, you have to donate proceeds to hospitality workers in, in your in your country or your region or your area or whatever so um yeah it's pretty cool um it's nice to, to know it's, it's a very good beer and it's uh nice to know that it goes towards helping hospitality workers because they've had a, a pretty pretty raw deal as of late 
So what, the brewery donates, is it, to, to get the recipe, is it? Uh, the brewery, no, the, the recipe is open source, and then they'll brew the beer, and then whatever profits they make from selling oh, the beer. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's cool, yeah. yeah Very good. Yeah, it's uh, a nice, um, nice initiative. Sound of what kind of beer is it, Brian? Uh, IPA. This one, I think. Interesting they, color. Yeah, I think that's that's it's very whiplash, isn't it? Yeah, I was going <laughs> to <Yeah>. say. <laughs> I my head through it. Um, yeah, so I think they release. It's kind of like the same recipe, but they said use this yeast if you're on a West Coast IPA, or use this yeast if you're on an East Coast IPA, uh, kind of New England style. So this in in whiplash style, they've gone New England East Coast style, and it's uh yeah, it's good beer, nice. Yeah, East Coast style is fairly popular at the moment. I'd love to see some West Coast coming online. Yeah. Uh, that that was that was a bona, that was a big topic there on stage in the last Saturday, Brian. Was, um, definitely, but but it, it's it's a great initiative and and uh, people, loyal listeners of the Snowcast and overall for fucking stuff that helps uh, give back to people who are worse off. So uh, spot on altogether now by Whiplash. If you're if you're down your local brewery and you see it, you know you're supporting a, a down your local off license. Sorry, and you see it, you know you're supporting a good cause by getting a few pounds in. Uh, I'm going. I'm going to go next because I'm going to leave Peter to last because I just love the man so much. Uh, so so actually, I'm drinking a can that was part of the last um, virtual beer festival pack. So unfortunately, I had to I had to to leave at half seven just before uh, the taking of this uh, took place. So it's Bambrick's Brown Ale by Ballyshead Haven. So again, Peter, a beer that I know you're probably overly familiar with because you're a big fan Pretty of Ballyshead Haven and, and Brian, one that you were um, you were very complimentary about, I believe, last weekend, uh, and rightly so. Like, what I couldn't believe because I, I was there for the chat but not the tasting and I had to go, so I didn't actually open it. Um, I couldn't believe this is Joe's first attempt at a brown ale. Uh, that kind of, I was like, fuck me, man, because cause I've heard brilliant things about it. I hadn't actually had one. Um, I just, I, I'm going to edit this out. Cause I gotta... It's a mute on there. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't actually had, I hadn't actually had one of these uh, yet. However, um, it's fucking delicious, man. Like, um, some serious, some serious toffee off it. Like, it's, I've, this is the thing, like, brown ales um, often get mistaken for stouts and you'll get like chocolate stouts and, and coffee stouts etc uh, but this is like fucking it says in the can burnt toffee and I was like right how are they going to get this but as soon as you smell it and taste it then it, it's so familiar it's fucking delicious and uh, it's fucking really smooth man it's really really fucking drinkable yeah, yeah I, I've never I used to ever really like brown ale I kind of had a few of them um, and I had that in, I think it was that festival they have in Kilkenny, that food festival. And he was just sort of trialing it out or whatever. And as soon as I drank it, I was like, I was converted. That's, it's really, really good. Yeah, I, I think there's a there's a big surge for them. As you probably saw last week, DJ, at the, the beer festival, it was uh, every single brewery we asked who, what they wanted to brew, see them brew next to was a uh, brown ale was the answer. And uh, there's a few cracking ones out. Like St. Mel's have been making an amazing brown ale for um, for a long time now. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have this. Yeah, when this when this glass is empty, it's going to be filled up with the St. Mel's brown ale. And yeah, it, it, that, that was in the first box, um, Brian, which was really interesting. Again, like the first box, the first beer festival was on early enough. So I was trying to pace myself. I was doing every second beer. How the fuck, like, how do you manage to keep it all together doing six hours of drinking and hosting and trying to fucking organize everything? 
I don't know. I, I, I actually don't know. A lot of people have asked me that. Um, I, I don't like. I, I don't drink every beer in the box. I, I drink kind of half each and put them aside. And my wife is usually pottering around the, 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 the kitchen or she's sitting beside me and she'd have the other half. Or I wouldn't get through them all now. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, you had a you had a brilliant um, you had a brilliant. Uh, Observation to make for one of the brewers last week when uh, when they were talking they were talking about brown ales. It was actually Ballyclickavon when uh, Joan and David were saying that um, that they didn't think there'd be any demand for a brown ale in the summer, and all of a sudden they've done two batches later. And like as you said to them, when the world zigs, you zag like, and and it's been a fucking knockout success this summer. So um, brown ales, man, and and it, it's one of them things that like, yeah, man. If I was in a restaurant, if I was in a pub now. And I saw a brown ale on the menu. It wouldn't be, it w- I wouldn't be overly drawn to it straight away. But it's this kind of thing that we're saying. E- even people who drink craft beer and are into craft beer, when they see a new style and they're not drawn to it, or a new style for them and they're not drawn to it. But once you get into something like a, a, a virtual beer festival or a real beer festival before that, and you sample something, you try it, and you learn to like it, um, it just opens up a whole new fucking style and and a, a, a whole new. Uh, slew of beers the fucking love man it's it's brilliant and uh this is definitely something that i'll be going back to without a doubt we'll have to do a trip to newcastle <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> you know what i mean uh, <laughs> Peter. didn't make it in the box um oh. david was was um angling for the uh the line blocker like this is such a testament for, to valley cavern as a brewery uh, they had the raspberry vice, which was their their summer seasonal that came out. The raspberry wheat beer, which was amazing. So that kind of had to go in the box straight away. But um, Dave was kind of saying, well, maybe the line blocker then. And it was there were a good few IPAs in the box, but the, the, uh, they know what a massive fan of Bambricks I am. I, I have my own home brewed version of Bambricks out in the shed at the moment. I absolutely love it. Uh, so I was just like, please, can we put Bambricks in? He was like, yeah, grand. Um, but like the, the fact that it was. There's three such, there's more than three, but those three absolutely incredible quality beers. And um, yeah, you had to kind of, it was, it was a tough decision which ones to put, pick to put into it. Um, yeah, brown ale, great beer. Need to get more people. <laughs> yeah. Talk about um, another consistent brewery. Well, that's, yeah. that's it exactly. Like Ballyclickhaven never fucking fail. And, and the, the beauty of Ballyclickhaven is like, you know, it's pretty much like as local as it gets because they produce so much of the ingredients. They pretty much produce all the ingredients themselves bar the hops, isn't that right? They actually um, brew the, one batch of beer a year with their own hops as well. They, they harvest go. them in October and they make a fresh batch on that day. And, and, and ultimately, like that's like, when you're talking about high quality produce, like as you said, another consistent brewery, Peter, but high quality as well, like such high quality. Uh, Peter, what are you drinking yourself, man? Why are you laughing? I will. I just, I, 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 what Joe, I laughed at because I was so tempted to say to the listeners, like, you know, oh, recording this at like 12 o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> which we're not. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. I decided to go for something a bit we're different. Breakfast, uh, breakfast meeting. Yeah, this is my breakfast for? whiskey. Yeah. I usually pour it over my uh, cereal in the morning. Um, <laughs> no, it just yeah. I decided to go for something a bit different. I'm not sure if uh, you know we normally drink beer on this, but um, no, yeah, man, it's, it's the whatever uh, you're drinking, man. It's whatever yeah, you're drinking. I kind of get gotten into whiskey a bit, I suppose, recently. It's it's uh, the Velvet Cap. Um, it's the Waterford or Blackwater Distillery down in Waterford. They've been doing gin up to now, and they still are. I think they have one in um, Aldi 
Um, and yeah, no, it's really good. Really nice, smooth whiskey. Um, lovely kind of vanilla, kind of syrupy. I'm not very good at describing them, but that's, you know, it's good. Um, I promise I won't start any fights, though. <laughs> I will, I'm not, this is just, just the one I'm going to have. I'm going to have a uh, O'Hara's Hop Adventure Centennial. Oh, snap. Oh, man. Love it. <laughs> the first time I had it, I really liked it. Um, and then I had a couple of bottles of it again, and they were kind of flat. So I'm hoping... This one is good anyway. This one yeah. is very good. So it might have been just something wrong with the, the last ones I had. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared. Super. Do you get a, a, a? Does anyone get aggressive around whiskey? Are you uh, anybody? Anybody? Yeah, do you a big aggressive whiskey head, Brian? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Starting fights left, right, and center. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't get. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I get aggressive, but I get um, very drunk with it, and like the next day is just hell, absolute hell. So I've actually just tried to avoid it altogether. I, I, I like what like what Peter's doing now. I'd like to maybe like sit here with a chat and have one. But um, unfortunately, when I when I decide to start drinking whiskey, it's never a one whiskey time. So, yeah, the yeah. last couple of time, last couple of years, I went to uh, Whiskey Live, which is this like big thing, kind of what would you call it? A big event where I suppose like a festival, where all these distilleries show up and they, you know, you get to taste all the whiskey and it's like whatever forty quid in and you can drink as much as you want essentially. Now you get thrown out if you're pissed. But you know, for forty-five quid or whatever it is, like it's it's not bad. Like, and then no. the first time I went, I did get a bit drunk. Like you would, like they're very generous. With, they're just supposed to just give you a little drop, like to taste. But sometimes they give you like nearly a full measure. So you really do have to pace yourself sometimes. Really. Yeah. Just going stall to stall, like every five yeah. minutes. <laughs> Grab them by the scruff of the neck. <laughs> whiskey and pops. And uh, this this is something we kind of have been touching on last week, lads. Uh, Peter and Brian, I really wanted just to get your insight into it, especially when it comes to like, you know, Peter, you're saying you're going to have a drop of whiskey first and then tip into the beer. Is lockdown and not drinking in a pub, but drinking at home instead, is that changing your habit of drinking or your your choices or what you'd, what you'd reach for? Um, for me, not not a lot, no. I mean, I do drink at home as well. I mean, like obviously, I'm drinking, obviously, I'm not drinking in the pub now. Um missing it a lot obviously but um no i'm probably just drinking more or less the same amount just not as much in the pub or not any in the pub uh what about yourself Ryan? yeah for me um i think my alcohol consumption has probably gone up a bit but i'd say that has there's correlation and causation here <laughs> and i'd say it's more related to do with um starting up crack <laughs> <laughs> And hosting virtual beer festivals and stuff like that has has led to an increase. Um, I myself and my wife we we would be more home drinkers to be honest. Um, I, I probably I probably should have told you this before coming on or else I I wouldn't have got invited if I did actually. Um, I wouldn't be a huge pub drinker myself. Um, I enjoy obviously meeting up with the lads and kind of having a few pints and stuff. But um, in terms of pubs, I'd be more kind of a go in earlyish one or two kind of chill I sit at the bar maybe read a book for a bit and then and then tip on um I I, pro- I do the majority of my my drinking at home already before before lockdown like Brian has been disconnected from the podcast <laughs> <laughs> I want to I I I say you know like there's a lot to be said for going in and having two points and reading the paper oh, yeah, no, so. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, sitting there on your own watch the world go by you know yeah some some, some nice. of my some of my best fucking 
some some of my best memories of the last two three years on have been tipping into Philip Grimes after work just for one or two while it's quiet and heading on home. Then you know that, that fucking quiet time where you have a chance to have a little chat with the barman and just fucking chill out, man, and unwind. There's a lot to be said for it. Uh, speaking speaking of sitting at a bar having a pint pint watch this week, lads. So just to bring Brian and Peter up to speed, pint watch is something we've been doing every week. And it's where we basically take little snippets that we've seen in the previous week and try and guess, like, when will we next be sitting in a pub and able to have a pint um, without any strings attached? And by a string, I mean a chicken curry or a fucking cheeseburger and chips. So when 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 will we be able to have a pint uh, unhinged? So I suppose just a few things that I picked up on is that the, the, the stuff in the media recently... So basically, like, what constitutes a substantial meal is something that I find really interesting because that, that's been brought out about this June 2019 where pubs are not required to have a restaurant license. But now they're saying that they ha- you have to be able to provide a substantial meal with the, the drink that you're providing. So I suppose, like, it's this kind of thing that we said, like, does this bring a whole new meaning to the, the, the interpretation of bacon fries? Like, you know, with a packet of bacon, like, do you have to distinguish between a packet of bacon fries and a plate of chips with some bacon on top? Or, um, but I suppose that's something that I wanted to, to uh, check with you guys. Um, the other thing that might be worth discussing around the, the, the four of us here as well is um, a lot of our predictions have been based on whether or not the government would give in to the demands of the industry to reduce their restrictions from two meter social distancing to one meter social distancing and actually today they were saying that uh the, the tony holden was like the data is very clear it's 70 percent risk at one meter and 95 percent risk at two meter and that they're not going to take any unnecessary risk so i think two meters it looks like it's going to stay for now and i suppose um then the other thing as well is uh we we had the other thing in the media that i picked up on was this um public health experts, there's over a thousand people involved in public health, doctors, um, medical scientists, uh, immunologists, virologists, etc. They signed a letter saying that they wanted lockdown to continue, a hard lockdown to continue for the next two weeks to crush the curve and then have a, a bigger escape uh, out of lockdown at the end of it, uh, not to have this measure to start this week. So there's a lot to take in, I think. Um, but I just wanted to get some of your insights. Like, I think this is going to be the most key two weeks for just general society, but for, this, for the scope of this uh, conversation, this is going to be a key two weeks for people who want to go and sit in their local pub and have a pint. Um, so with all that in mind, and is there anything else that you spotted that might lend to uh, July 20th being brought forward and moved back, or is July 20th when it's going to happen? Uh, what do you think, lads? I'll open the, the floor up to whoever wants to jump in. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in there first. Um... I think July 20th is going to stick. I think phase two plus, or whatever the fuck they're calling us, um, was, uh, <laughs> I think that was their generosity there. I think that's what they're going to go with. Um, and yeah, you, you, you might see other things, but I just can't see the pubs again. Um, I think I think even with like the likes of pennies and stuff opening up there today, like it was just absolute... <laughs> Oh, I don't know. It's just people. There was no social distancing or like viewed at all beforehand. Um, now there was there was the ability um, for pennies to try and control the social distancing within uh, pennies itself uh, by having staff that were around the floor who were you know telling you to wash your hands and all this shite like. But again, for like a pub, like I you know as as we've been talking to a few people involved in pubs. 
like they have like you know very few staff anyway um in the pub like so like it doesn't like and they're going to be having reduced numbers because of this so like they're not going to be able to hire people to actually tell you to us keep your distance or whatever like I just think I, I, I still think like there's going to be just have to be a huge education piece within like just I don't know within, within or by the government um within the population just just to try and get this social distancing thing into people's heads like at the moment I don't know I just I, I think the message has been missed a little like I think it was kind of it's kind of been I don't know maybe a bit diluted um, in terms of all of the measures that have kind of been lifted um, in recent days but I just think like that it, it'd be great if they just kind of hammered home this whole thing of like you know hand washing and you know face coverings and stuff like that are the key thing. and I also think as well that the like people like they haven't really said much about like people who are coughing and like just stay home Do you know like that has does kind of lost lost its meaning there in the last while I think like you know if you are coughing or you know even if you don't have the virus you're a, a you're a person who can then spread the virus anyway like even if it's like asymptomatic or you pick something up up your face blah 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 and can spread it so I don't know I just I think there's still a lot of work to be done um and I just can't see it being pushed forward unfortunately what about see you guys Fair enough. Brian, do you want to jump in there? Have you any thoughts? Yeah, well, just, just thoughts on the situation in general. I'll be honest, I haven't been monitoring um, the, the, the restrictions and what's been on in the news uh, too much. But for me, my, my stance on it is, I guess that there's a triangle here and you're, you're looking at, you've got the economy on one hand, politicians, and then you've got health. Um, those three factors. And if you, the way I would look at it anyway is economies recover, Politicians will recover if they're under pressure now, if, if their popularity goes down, but health won't. If people die, then you don't recover from that. Um, this is an astute really, observation. Yeah, well, exactly. So, like, what's the priority there? What about Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, he's actually going to be at the next prayer festival here. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, honestly, yeah, I, I think it's really really tough on people it's tough on people's um their their situations at home their their wages like everything their their financial situations their mental health absolutely everything i, I totally get that and i'm not unsympathetic to it but I, I think just people's health at the end of the day is is first and foremost and paramount so i think the the, the restrictions should be uh, strict is the wrong word but as as um enforced as long as as long as necessary yeah, yeah. I, th I think it's as long as necessary is the key one and, and, and yeah. I don't envy the people deciding when is necessary like because it's a fucking terrible, terribly hard decision to make. Uh, Peter, what's your own thoughts on all this, man? Yeah, I pretty much agree. Like, I, I don't think, I agree with Owen, I don't think it's going to be brought forward. I mean, it's already been brought forward from the 10th of August to the 20th of July, so I, I just don't think they're going to bring it any closer. Um, and then in terms of the distancing, I don't know. I could maybe see. I could maybe see by the time we get to closer to the twentieth of July, I could maybe things might change. You know, if we keep if the numbers stay down low, 
Mm. I could see maybe they might consider going down to the one meter because it's just not workable in uh, a lot of pubs, in restaurants, in smaller restaurants, cafes, hairdressers. I mean, how do you do it? Like, it's just not. Yeah. It's not feasible in a lot of places. So I, I, I know it's not. It's not. A, it's a choice between, as you said, Brian, health and you know the economy, and like you, you, you always have to choose people's health over, um, over money. But I don't know. At the same time. Like how long are we going to be be like this? I mean, the virus isn't going away anytime soon. Like until we get a vaccine or something, like that that could be another. You guys will be able to tell me more. It'll be more than a year. I'd imagine. You're not get you're not getting a vaccine in the next three years because they're trying three. to develop it and upscale it to manufacture to be able to distribute it yeah. worldwide. And 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 the, like the, the the problem with a vaccine is, it's not like oh we have enough. We can upscale and distribute a vaccine to the top ten percent of wealthy people in in the world right now. Um, like a vaccine or virus doesn't fucking discriminate. So like you need like that's the whole that's the whole controversy around herd immunity. Um, yeah. And in order for a virus to go away, you need the vast majority of people to have immunity to it via either a vaccine or exposure. Um, or else you just need to crush it. That's what they've done in New Zealand. Like they fucking locked down. Um, heavy i know they're like 20 days without a case or something along them lines but then uh, they open things up again then what happens like if they, if yeah, but the thing is they don't have it's it's not present they don't have any virus there yeah so if they open things up so long as they don't like when it comes well, tricky yeah. then is is like getting borders yeah because when when china suppressed it it was people coming into the country once they open up again that brought it in so it's <laughs> it's a funny thing it's imp- it's impossible maybe it's yeah, testing I, is the other thing as well like if we had good yeah. easy quick testing that you know, you as simple as walking into a pub, you have to. I know it's a bit weird, but you'd have to be, I don't know, tested. Yeah, they had like a bit a, extreme, but they had this thing that demonstrated on Clareburn Live the other day where it was like a, a scanner and yeah. a kind of thing that you had to scan your face and it checked your temperature or whatever to let you into the building. And um, I know they had them in, in the WLR studios for Waterford Radio a couple of weeks ago and then they were showing it in Clareburn Live as basically they were saying that um, shops and restaurants could use it. I do think there's this thing, right, where I think, Brian, like you hit the fucking nail on the head with one of the points is like, you know, you've got the economy politicians in healthcare and ultimately politicians are, if politicians were judged on the outcomes of healthcare, the last government would have, wouldn't have lasted as long as it did. Ultimately, they're judged on the economy. And Any government got, wouldn't have laughed. Yeah, but, that, but that, yeah, that's it. Like, um, and and what we got here is like the economic argument is starting to win. And I think that the politicians have made the choice to. But they're very anti one meter now. But then a week ago they were saying there's no way that anything could be moved forward. And then on Friday they now saw these fucking uh, everything moving forward. As one said, for, uh, phase two point two. Um, Actually, um, I just uh, just to cut across you there. Sorry, but um. So the office I was in earlier on, um, they obviously had one of the original um, signs for uh, social distancing or whatever, um, but it was that recommendation of like, um, you know, it was like stay um, two meters apart uh, where possible, but um, there was this like thing in like, um, like in brackets saying like, oh, but you know, one meter social distancing is effective. So like, it was that was the initial guidance that came out. That was that that saying like if you were like one meter was effective, and that if you were 
I, I think was it if you're with like an active case or something like that, like healthcare workers or something that a two meter distance then was. Uh, but then obviously everything they, they went very safe on things in terms of two meter uh, distancing as the social. But I just thought it was it was funny that they still have that sign yeah. just plastered yeah. across the front of the place. I can see. Yeah. Like I mean, I think two or three weeks with with, with little cases could make a huge difference. I, I, think, yeah, I, think, those I, I think what will happen is when it comes on the Friday before, when on Friday the 26th of June, I think they're going to reduce it to one metre and say that all pubs and restaurants can open. Uh, I think that's what's going to happen. Well, on the, 20, think, on the 29th yeah, of June, you think that yeah, all I pubs think, are going to open? I think that's what's going to happen if the, if the figures stay low. I'm not saying it's the right thing. What, happen, are, you, but, what are you drinking? <laughs> I've, I've actually now I've moved on to St. Melbourne. Yeah. He's um, not a whiskey first. It's more... <laughs> It's it's a bit more bitter than the Bambris, but it's still lovely. Um, I, I I think um, I I think that's what's going to happen. I'm not saying it's what should happen, but I think that's what will happen. A bit of a kick in the teeth for the pubs who have prepared themselves for essentially being a restaurant. Yeah, it, turn it around and say you didn't have to do this. It will, and 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 but then then the other side is then other pubs get to open. The thing the thing that troubles me with it all right is there's this thing about face. Do you use face coverings? Blah blah blah. How the fuck can you wear a face covering in a restaurant or the public? You can't consume drinking food with, a, yeah. with your face covered, with your mouth covered. You know it's physically impossible unless you unless you're consuming it via a fucking catheter. Like so, I I just don't see how that should impact on it. Um, I think once you're in, inside in the pub, definitely not because you should be seated at a table. You know. Uh, uh, with like with two meters or whatever yeah. away from a person, so that the, the face covering then you know is negated by that distance whereas en route to the pub is where like that public like that public system is where you you do need to wear one you know i remember hearing something about uv light systems can be effective in in keeping the virus um away from you know enclosed areas is that is that a possibility uh, so i think i think that's a cleaning thing um it's in term uh, so i think um uh, like the UV light, I think they're 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 trialing it out in Dubai, in those huge um, shopping centres that they have in Dubai, where by they're flying drones around at night when the shopping centre is closed and like putting off this big huge UV light, um, that kills the virus. But um, it's obviously without human contact because it's quite cancerous. To, oh right, okay. It's not something, so I thought there it was something, something that you could, yeah, have you're, running you're, all the you'd time. You'd essentially be turning bars into tannin silence. <laughs> yeah. you know, there's 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 a percentage of the population that that's their fucking dream, but it's nice and neat. Lie lie down on the bar and get a tan. You go for a pint of black and tan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we can disconnect it again from the song. Not about the black stuff, or about the brown stuff at the moment, man. Not about the brown ales. Um, what, what, like, so, in a scenario where I'm wrong, and 29th of June you can't go to all pubs, and it's still the 20th of July, like, like I think you guys are are suggesting it will be, um, and so you can go in and have a substantial meal, whatever the fuck a substantial meal, the, the definition of it is. But you can go in and have a substantial meal and be served in a pub by table service. Um, what impact does eating have on your drinking habits? Like, for example, if you're going, if you're going to a pub to have three, four pints, or Brian, in your case, if you're going sitting down to have three or four cans versus sitting down with your home cooked dinner, or if the rest of us are in a restaurant and going to have a few drinks with a meal, does 
does eating and watering eating and eating a substantial meal over a packet of crisps or whatever, does that impact on your choice of drink, uh, Peter? What do you reckon? Choice of drink, um, maybe not so much. How much I drink definitely would have impacted because obviously you're eating and it just you wouldn't naturally you wouldn't drink as much. But um, I suppose it depends on what I'm eating. If I was eating a curry or something, I'd I wouldn't be on the brown ales or the stouts or anything like that. I'd be more larders and or kind of lighter ales and something you know something cold and refreshing. Um, yeah, or but, but pretty much anything else, I'd I'd drink anything. If I was eating like a roast dinner or something, I'd be happy enough to drink a stout with it or something. But kind of spicier, hotter stuff. Yeah. But you'd be you're having one or two. And that's it, like, you know, you're, you're cutting it off. Yeah. Then or, yeah. Well, I think you'd have to, if the, if the pubs open as restaurants, you, I, I'm assuming it's a, a rule, like you have to have a drink with the meal. So as soon as you finish the meal, you're done. Good point. Good point. Brian, what about yourself? Uh, just just to, to follow on Peter's point there, yeah, I, I suppose it depends if it's like a restaurant and you have your your time allocated seatings and it's like two hours in your spot and you have your meal and your, your couple of pints or is it like you can go in at like I don't know midday on a Saturday have your substantial meal and then sit there for the whole day um, I suppose that that kind of could dictate it um, for me it, it changes the experience entirely I think for me um, you're, you're gone from kind of a pub to obviously more of a restaurant and that, that's mm. the point of it obviously um, but yeah, I, I don't know, my, my drinking habits would have changed it. I don't know, to be honest. Um, I'm more, as I said earlier, a couple of, a quiet drink or two here and there, and maybe actually having the food as well. So I don't know if it does actually change anything for me personally. Um, it Yeah. And Owen, what about yourself? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think it's, again, I think it's an echo, Brian, there, like as soon as yeah, put a substantial meal into the equation. Like the focus is on the meal rather than the points or the the chats or anything really. Like you know, um, I'd also like to say that like the amount of bacon fries I eat on a night would probably be a substantial meal. So, like if I'm in a pub for like four hours or whatever, and there's like packets of crisps peanuts bacon fries whatever being landed down in front of me, in front of you like you're you know you're definitely eating as much as you would for a meal um yeah. so i don't know I, I i think um i don't know if anybody listened to the blind boy podcast there this week but um he was kind of talking about um like the the mentality that there is in spain and stuff the way they have these kind of like tapas and stuff um and that's kind of built in with their drinking culture is that like you order a pint and you order like a I don't know a paella for the for the table or whatever and you know people big huge dish comes out and people dish in and you know take you know it might be served on a bandmarie or whatever so that like stays hot and that you you know you just kind of tip in and tip out of the thing like you know and um, obviously you can't be doing that but like even if there was like individual portions of like these kind of like smaller meals like you don't i don't know you don't want to be talking into a roast there uh, just after work on a friday like you know what i mean um yeah i think the irish equivalent of that would be like a, a big platter of sandwiches yeah yeah my throw out. yeah yeah, yeah jam sandwiches <laughs> cocktail um, sausages cocktail sausages like chicken goujons or something yeah. um so yeah yeah I, yeah i i like there's there's definitely like 
a niche time where I probably enjoy a pint and uh, and a substantial meal. So like if I'm going for a carvery of like a lunchtime or something, and I don't know, I don't know. It's just like there's definitely there's definitely times that I would enjoy it, but like ultimately, like I don't want to be forced to have a big meal. Like even say sometimes if like you know. DJ, we've gone out for like um, work nights out or whatever, like, and you know, you're kind of raring just getting into the points and like yeah. just for the social meal is in the way. You like, have to have the food is in the way, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and the more you eat, the less room you have. Exactly. That's exactly it. Like, you know, so, um, so this, this, this is what ultimately drove this question because I was thinking about before COVID when it would go for a meal and, and ultimately it's this kind of thing on where we're going out and we're going for a social meal with friends but ultimately we're going out for a couple of points afterwards and the first thing you do when you go to one of these restaurants or gastropubs or whatever is you order your drink and it, part of me is like actually it should be the fucking other way around because you should order your grub that you're going to eat and then think about what you want to drink with it, as opposed to like, what'll often happen to me is, I'll be just in the mood for whatever drink I'm in, and I'll order that drink. And then like, the menu will come in and be like, oh fuck, I couldn't have that with this now, it's too heavy, you know, if it's a vice beer or something, you're like, oh, we're going light tonight. Like, um, So I just wonder, do, do we conventionally get that that order mixed up? But uh, yeah, you, may, you all make some pretty fucking good points there, to be fair to you. Um, I'm actually fairly conscious of time, because the, the conversation's been going so well that we're, uh, we're, we're, we're gone over the hour mark now. Um, the, 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 um, I suppose the other thing I just wanted to point out was a question that was put to us on Twitter, a really, really good question, ultimately was um, about it's keeping in line with COVID and what folks would be like post-COVID is um, bars like the Temple Bar uh, and those, re, you know, the, the kind of tourist bars where you've got your eight euro pints and stuff like that. Now that the tourism sector is ultimately uh, killed off for months, um, what do we think? Like they, they were previously like you look back. There's there's YouTube videos of, of like brilliant Irish musicians in bars like this, um, way back when. And I suppose that's ultimately what drove them to become the tourist attractions and hyperinflated bars that they were. Um, will COVID reset those bars to to go back in search of some of its previous character and try and draw more Irish local drinkers in now that the tourism industry is gone? Or ultimately, are they going to hold out for? for the tourist industry to come back and, and to be able to maintain charging astronomical prices for points. Uh, Peter, you're not in the, the, the good books with, with the Dublin uh, pubs at the moment. Apparently no, 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 not, no. So maybe we'll come to you first on this. Uh, have you any more controversial views that we can maybe climb up to number 200? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I hate to be cynical, but I, I think they're just going to hold out and, and wait for the tourism sector to come back because it will come back. and. You know, they, they, it, it's, it's all to do with location. They're right there, smack in the middle of the city. They're right next to, um, you know, Hayfinney Bridge, the O'Connell Street, the rest of them, like they're, they're, they're right there and it's just the location and they just, they're going to milk it for what it's worth, you know. Uh, I think they're just going to hold out. Brand, Brian, what's your I tend to be quite optimistic in a, in a lot of lot of scenarios, but this is one where I'll have to agree with Peter. Um, 
Yeah, I, I can't I can't see them. I can see in the short term that there have been some kind of maybe minor kind of pivots or, or like shifts in what in their approach and how they're, I don't know, portraying themselves and what they do in terms of trying to get people in. But as soon as tourism is back, I can't see them um, not going back to the way it was before because they're just cash cows. Like they're just absolutely making a fortune. So um. Yeah, and there's there's only so much pivoting and you can do as well. Like drinking and where you drink is habitual. You know, people drink in certain places because they like it and they've always been there and they've always drank the same thing and they like that particular pub. It's hard to change. It's hard to change the appearance of a of a pub in Temple Bar, you know, over the course of a few weeks or a few months or whatever. So, yeah, I, I yeah, think it's, uh, it's yeah. happening. I'd agree, Peter. Like, yeah, like those pubs are, like, I don't know, nearly fucking. What what you'd expect when you're going to an Irish bar in New York or something? Like the way the way they're laid out, like they're they're very um, foreign targeted. The way they are, um, and like a pub is more than what beer they're serving or what price their pints are. Really, like it's character. It's who the barman is. It's you know how it's laid out. All that, like you know, so. I don't know. It'd be very hard to change a sticky floor in Temple Bar to um, a character building bar. Like That's, where you know. To be fair to them, no. Some of them are are pretty decent. Like the the Haypenny Bridge Inn or whatever it's called. That's that's a nice spot. The Porterhouse is in. That's in Temple Porterhouse Bar. Porterhouse is nice. That's yeah, quite yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. I think the Foggy Jew is technically. Um, uh, Temple Bar, that's quite a good spot as well. So there are some, you know, and the storehouse there is not too bad either. I mean, yeah, it is inflated prices, you know, but that's just open for you, really. Yeah, especially that area. I, I, I don't think, I don't think we're really talking about Temple Bar the area rather than like those the, the, Temple the, the, Bar. The yeah. Temple oh, sorry, the actual right. The complete yeah, sellouts, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, not well, not even not even just the Temple Bar, but like. You know there is air, there is pubs there that just like of the same ilk hone into that um mm. of the same ilk yeah exactly you know um I yeah. and, like I have had a good few nights around Temple Bar all right myself like you know but um what do you make of that 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 um incremental pricing thing as the night goes on that's disgusting like oh, it drives me <laughs> mad it drives me absolutely I don't know how that 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 doesn't justify it it's the same how, fucking it's the same product. It's the same for I I I actually hold on. So, Darren, DJ, will you explain this for our foreign listeners here? Because I'd say this is completely bananas to everyone. So to make to make it really simple, imagine you go into a pub at five o'clock in the evening, and it's you you get charged four euro for a pint, and then you're still there at seven o'clock and you get charged four twenty for a pint of the exact same pint. A pint of, let's say Guinness because it's the fucking Prime example. So it's four euro for a pint at five o'clock, four twenty at seven o'clock, four sixty at nine o'clock, and by eleven o'clock they're charging five euro for a pint just to keep the economic simple. Like that happens uh, quite frequently. Um, in places. And that's a, that's a mild, mild example. Yeah, that's like like ultimately it happens, but at a scale probably twice that. Um, yeah, I got charged. I think I got charged. Uh, I think I got charged seven eighty for a pint of. I think it was probably Guinness actually. At like half one, like yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, ultimately, like 
we're here talking, talk, talking for the last fucking what is now hour and fifteen minutes of, of great chat about quality beer, brilliant breweries, and and, and like the, the the fact that we're talking about consistency being an absolute fucking a, an absolute compliment as opposed to put down in these instances. And what I just want to fucking say about it is, is you've got mass-produced shite being charged seven eighty a pint, like you know, mm. uh, when when we've got like some of the best crap, some of the some some of the the, the the best brewing and technique around and we're we have people complaining about spending five or a pint in, in parts of the country for what's really, really fucking good. Um you pay for quality. Yeah, exactly, you know, and and, and, and that's what I want to say, like you know, and, and the thing is like I don't care how good a pint of Guinness is, um give me a fucking pint of my Daza or something like that, you know, in in, in the winter all day long over it. Sometimes they're actually, you'd be surprised, they're actually the same price or not even, or slightly more. Mm. Like in my local pub, they had um, Ballycook Cabin Bin Bon Pale Ale and they're charging 450 for it, which is the same price as a pint of Guinness. So, you know, you'd Bargain. be surprised. Now in other places, it's five euros or it's 520, but, you know, which isn't that much more when you think about it, really. No, no. It's actually something I want to do. It was kind of an idea for a next blog post is to um, kind of kind of do a post on affordable um, craft we, we, we actually yeah. uh, had a good chat about this last week on the pod, Pierre. It's, what is it's you? called uh, Economics. Yeah. Um, oh, right. Okay. So, uh, I'll, I'll listen to that for my research. The, the, ultimately, we reckon you're only paying about an extra two euro for the, the sitting in a pub. Uh, as you would do uh, sitting at home. So Brian gave us the thumbs up, but I reckon he's he's, he's going to change his mind now. Uh, <laughs> lads, lads, I'm taking a wrapping it up there now. We're 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 coming on an hour an hour sixteen minutes. I think recording. Um. So any any summary points? What you have, any 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 kind of um last words for the guys guys and gals out there that are listening to us? I'm just looking forward to uh, pointing a pub. I'm really really gearing up for it. I've. Two pubs, uh, a pub just around the, uh, around the corner from me here, um, that definitely does food. So, um, although there hasn't been, I thought like by now there might be a bit of like sprucing up of, you know, the pubs or whatever, like, you know, there's one, one cro- another pub across the road from it actually that um, I, I glanced in the window, window there the other day and uh, they're down the hands and knees there just polishing off the tables and stuff. And, uh, I, actually, it looks like they're doing a bit of work on the beer garden and stuff at the back as well. So, um, yeah, ex- exciting times ahead. I think they might throw a fucking, I know, a substantial um, BLT or something in <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or something to get, get them open. So, yeah, really looking forward to um, to the end of the month. And uh, Brian, what you, any any last words there before we finish up? Yeah, um, first of all, I'm just absolutely delighted to have the opportunity to um, to open up the New Zealand network. Um, <laughs> so this is a fantastic opportunity. And uh, thanks a million lads for, 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 for inviting me. I really, really appreciate it. Great chats. Um, one last point for me just on the pubs is, I guess, it does come down to experience. And we, we've talked about, I suppose, Temple Bar Charge and extortion of prices. People are happy to pay that for the experience there when they get to the for the, the touristy market anyway. Um, I suppose experience at the moment for our drinking culture, our pub culture, the, the drink is first and foremost. It's always the pints and the food has been secondary. 
But now we're going to a phase where the food is actually becoming primary and the drinks are kind of becoming secondary to it. And our, our experience of the pub and our culture, our pub culture is, is going to be shifted drastically. So I'm just looking forward to seeing how it plays out, basically, and see how, how people adapt to it, how, um, how publicans adapt to it, and just, just, just see what happens. That, that's it, really. Super. Great point. Peter? Uh, yeah, just thanks again for having me on. Uh, really enjoy it. Um, and support local, support your local, your local pubs when you when they open up again. Remember the antics of that gobshite from Spoons, whatever yeah. his name is, when the pubs reopen. Um, When's the next pub club? Oh, <laughs> fuck knows. 29th of June, is it? 29th of June. Yeah, I kind of... Chicken curry like special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, chicken curry provided yeah. with attendance. Yeah. Didn't carry it out. Well, actually, would what like... would you if he if he had a, one uh, dish that you could serve? So if he owned a pub, right, and your one dish, what would it be? That's wings. Wings, yeah. That wings is a good one. Good shout now. I actually think that could be if that if that could be like denoted as substantial. I think it kind of hit the the dual market there of like the the, the bridger between bacon fries and a roast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you allow me to be really boring I would say a toasted sandwich and a package of crisps but yeah. um, as an upgrade from that I would say pizza pizza always goes good with beer yeah pizza's a good one good shout as well actually got your I, I don't I, actually I, I, I asked a question I'm leaving an ocean like, and it's fairly a... compact as well like you can probably cook pizzas in fairly small ovens like, so if you, if you didn't have a big kitchen DJ uh, what about you I'm going nachos Nachos. Yeah, yeah, that works. You've got a crisp like York. You've got your, you can have your chili beef. You can have whatever the fuck you want. You can have your, you, you can satisfy your vegans, your vegetarians, whatever the fuck you want. Uh, I'm going nachos. And it's another thing like, like Brian's wings where you can just pick them. And Peter's pizza. And Peter, yeah, sorry. Sorry, Peter. <laughs> I'm just thinking of wings, man. I've, I've yeah. had a pizza the other day. I'm not wings and like, Sounds like we're starting a few businesses here. Brian's wings and Peter's pizzas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'd probably just have, I don't know, more cans or something. <laughs> more cans of tinned peas. Yeah. Tin, tin, just tin peas, like just hand right. out tin peas yeah. at every point. Or just a stout, like that's a substantial enough meal. <laughs> yeah, some of them are, some of them are. Uh, listen, lads, you know where to find us. We're at Snowcast on the Facebook, Instagram, the, the, the Twitter. Uh, engage, get in touch. Uh, get in touch if you want anything discussed over the podcast over the next few weeks. We've got some uh, interesting mad people lined up to come on the podcast. Thanks again to Peter and to Brian for coming on. Thanks to, to Owen as well. And uh, thanks from uh, us genuinely from the bottom of our hearts that all of the people of New Zealand you're all clearly <laughs> listening to this podcast we love you and um, if, if like like just shout out again if you see All Together Now by Whiplash in your local brewery or if you're the New Zealand version of All Together Now for Whiplash in your local off license uh, go go and pick it up it's for a good cause and if you're in a shop that will donate to your local food bank please uh, buy a few tins of said processed peas or whatever for your local food bank. People need it now more than ever. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna stop recording now, lads. Uh, have a nice fucking week, and uh, we're gonna finish our drinks and have a lovely chat beyond this. Launch it. Launch it.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.